My name is Brad Williams with Over 40 Fitness Hacks Podcast. I've been a personal trainer and gym owner for over 12 years. My goal is to help the over 40 crowd fight the aging process as best we can and still have a social life to go along with it. Check out all my episodes for the latest fitness hacks. going everyone this is brad williams with over 40 fitness hacks uh with me on this season i have with me dr andrew hill how's it going dr andrew it's going really well thanks for having me nice to be here yeah absolutely thanks for being on the show Mm. so uh dr hill is one of the top peak performance coaches in the country he holds a phd in cognitive neuroscience from ucla's department of psychology and continues to do research on intention and cognition Research methodology includes EEG, QEEG, and ERP. He has been practicing neurofeedback since 2003. In addition, uh, like myself, he has his own podcast, and you can find it on Apple or Spotify, called the Head First Podcast. So, Dr. Uh, Andrew, um, usually when we get a new uh, person on the show, we kind of like to dive deep on not so much what, what your neuromapping everything is, but more of just like, how you got into what you're doing, what you're passionate about, just my audience gets to know you and then we'll get to get into the good stuff after. Sure. Yeah, you got it. So, um, I mean, the stuff I'm doing now is very, uh, very person focused in some ways, but, uh, I started off before working in this particular area of, of, of human stuff, working with humans a long time ago. And right after undergrad, when I, uh, got out, I was working with, um, folks that had severe multiple disabilities, developmental stuff, no language, uh, often deaf and blind with no language and physical stuff. I mean, just just really uh, acute phenomena. And I went from there working into um, acute psychiatric facilities with a lot of uh, involuntary incarceration and violence and a lot of you know, child environments where people were, were being really at you know, like the edge of human suffering and and both developmentally, uh, drug and alcohol abuse. I worked on an elder uh, unit for a while, um, geriatric psychiatric unit. Um, so I kept seeing all these really sort of uh, severe in some ways, ways that human performance, resilience, uh, capacity can erode and break down and fall over a little bit. And I kept doing it for over a decade because I was good at it. You know, I was good at walking into like a really aggressive, violent environment and kind of low toning everything and calming yeah. people down and <laughs> not having to necessarily, you know, make things a, a, a stereotypic movie, you know, psych hospital scene kind of thing. And uh, I worked in that environment for a while. I mean, quite a while in different uh, uh, roles and different uh, organizations over, you know, 11 years or so. And then um, right at the end of that time, I got injured. And I couldn't do the work I had been doing anymore. So I ended up leaving the sort of mental health and human services role and uh, moved into high tech for a while. I was doing tech evangelism. And this is right before the tech bubble popped. And I was sort mm-hmm. of doing like high level database, custom, uh, 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 enterprise server integration stuff and getting really, you know, into that world really deeply, having fun with it and traveling around and doing sort of sales engineering and getting my tech chops, you know, wetted so I could really, Absolutely. you know, dive into <laughs> Unix and stuff. And uh, then um, the tech bubble sort of corrected a little bit. And I got laid off from that job after a few years and I kind of missed doing human services stuff. Uh, so I was like, oh, I, what can I do that's, you know, geeky and gets back into the psych? 
oh, wow, I heard about this thing called neurofeedback. Um, I wonder if I can find a place that's doing that. And so I found a place that was about half an hour away. Well, more like an hour away. Uh, yeah. Actually, for the next two years, I ended up driving between Boston and Providence. And I lived in a third place, uh, just driving all around uh, the Northeast between the place that I was learning to do neurofeedback. I walked into an autism center in Providence because I had experience working with developmental populations. And I was curious about this neurofeedback technique. It was primarily a neurodevelopmental uh, treatment center for autism, ADHD, childhood seizures, childhood uh, brain injuries, et cetera. And right at my alley experientially, and I walked in hoping just to sort of shadow a little bit and get some orientation around this thing they were doing mm -hmm. and walked out with a job because I had the population experience. So for a couple of years, I worked there and started seeing things that I did not really expect. I mean, I had tons of experience with severely dysregulated anxiety and ADHD and OCD and all the things. And a lot of the stuff happens in kids. And I've, I've worked with specific kid populations up until then. And I was seeing symptoms dropping away. I was seeing ADHD get regulated with a person who had control over their, their attention and focus without meds in a few months. I was seeing severe seizures and OCD and sensory issues drop away for kids wow. and adults sometimes. I was seeing uh, occasionally even language things, you know, starting to spark up a little bit. Um, and then there was the sort of secondary stuff that I was uh, starting to see, which is migraines and sleep regulation and just like general human things were shifting. So um, at the time, but this is again 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, I was just a technician then. Uh, I, I, I got a brain map done. We, we, we paid the local EEG tech who came into the recordings. So they put a cap on the head and, and this back then it was all wires. So I, I sat bet. still I can imagine you know, this. <laughs> 20 plus years ago. I mean, even, even now, if you do like a sleep study or something, they're going to use all wires, individual wires just for precision. And they're going to paste them on and tape them down. It's going to be a whole thing, but most EEG, including what we do for brain mapping, um, if you want to do an assessment these days, you can just use a cap and throw it over the head, a stretchy Lycra type, you know, swim cap thing. And then you squirt it full of gel generally. And that's true of research studies often these days. That's true of most clinical EEG, unless you're doing like long-term monitoring for seizure localization. And then you really need to get like every little wire, you know, right up against the spot of skull you want. But otherwise a grid, a grid that's based on landmarks is pretty close. And, and, and good enough because electricity spreads out and isn't precise spatially. Yeah. So I got my own EEG done, paid for its processing, you know, 500 bucks total out of my pocket or something. It was, oh, it's a lot back then, <laughs> back you know? Then, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that was like, I was like a week's worth of pay, more than that. That was like a, ha a half a month for the payback then or something, you know? So uh, when it came back, I worked with my boss, Dr. Larry Hirschberg, who owned that center. Uh, so I think I'm uh, just has just retired for folks that are in Providence. Sorry, but you can find other folks that are there. Kyle Frederick took over that business. He's really good in Providence. Um, but uh, I worked with Larry a little bit to look at my maps and learn about what mapping was because brain mapping was a strange thing. I was pretty geeky. I'd seen high tech. I'd worked with brains. I'd seen MRIs. I'd worked in x-ray a little bit. I was I was pretty sophisticated. But this was a really bizarre thing. What do you mean a map of the brain? Yeah. Wait, wait, what is this? So for, for folks that were that are wondering now, like I was then, it's basically a measure of the resting traits. Not everything. And, and by traits, I mean the data, like the amount of beta, the speed of alpha, the amount of whatever brainwave you're talking about, the speeds, mm -hmm. the amounts, connectivity patterns, which you're picking up. And you're only picking it up from the cortex, the bark, the top part of the brain, 
That's the part that makes brainwaves or EEG. And you can sort of see the rich hubs, the interconnected modules that exist in big giant chunks of tissue. So you're getting some high level stuff. And from that, all you know by looking at one person's uh, EEG is how different it is from average. You don't necessarily know what's good or bad. Good job. Be weird. People are weird. Yeah. What's and a lot of, though? <laughs> right? Exactly. And a, a lot of human, um, the, the, the psychology space, like when I was working in, in acute environments, those people are very atypical in the regulation. But you take somebody who's stressed, is it, you know, diagnostically relevant? Maybe. But is it suffering or something they want to work on? Probably. So brain mapping is sort of that landscape where you don't know necessarily what the amount of theta or beta or alpha means, but you know that across people, the stuff that gets in the way the most sticks out also. So you can say, hey, you have a lot of, yeah, exactly. OCD, you have a lot of beta waves in the front midline of the head, front midline is the anterior cingulate. It selects what you're thinking about. Hey, often when there's a lot of beta waves there, folks perseverate and select the same stuff again and again and again, and they have a little bit of an intrusive thought pattern. Do you experience that? Oh my gosh, we can see that is the answer nine times out of 10. Gotcha. Yes, we can see it. Do you want to work on that? Kind of. Great. Would you like to leave it intact, but have control over putting it down whenever you want? Yes. Great. And you can learn to unclench that resource through something called neurofeedback. Um, But I didn't know this. 20 plus years ago, I just was yeah. like, wow, I have some brainwaves that are weird. And uh, in fact, I had a little anterior cingulate outlier. Um, I had a severe amount of ADHD that I was working on. I saw it in the maps, a uh, large amounts of theta brainwaves everywhere. But I had this marker on the front midline of theta. Front midline theta is a special feature in human brains. It shows up across a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And there's several flavors of front midline theta. But uh, theta is like lubrication in the brain. So when you make a lot of it, some sort of circuits having trouble pumping the brakes or is easily activated or is a bit automatic, essentially. It's it's, it's released to act frequently. Um, so when the front midline, which selects what you're thinking about, drives theta, it can produce some squirrely kind of uh, behavior. The, the mind that's selecting what to think about is a bit slippery. So that particular high theta front midline, I now know, as somebody who works with the EGs a lot, means that your mind tends to have a sort of ticky kind of um, chewing on stuff phenomena going on. So in this FMT, from midline theta, a very common phenomenon is nail biting or songs playing in your head all the time. Yeah. But that's a different phenomena than the OCD phenomena where you can't stop thinking about the intrusive thought. One is like you, stuff just pops into your head and you're like, Ugh, oh, wait, I'm biting my nails. Oh, wait, I'm picking up my clothes again. It's a little bit less of a, uh, of a uh, it's, it's disinhibited as opposed to hyper-focus, which is the the obsession piece of it. That's beta versus theta. Too much gas, too much lubrication to produce different phenomena. So looking at someone's brain, I walk through the outliers and we model them together. I say, here's some plausible things. This, this might you know, represent this kind of phenomena. Uh, and we build up a picture. And usually we have four or five, six phenomena that make some sense now. Back then, 20 plus years ago, I was like, oh, Okay, I don't know what this means. (laughs) And 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 I got some advice from my my mentor in the space, but I would also hang out after hours and just like train my brain and try stuff. Yeah. Um, and the reason I mentioned the nail biting is I I I was somebody at mid 20s at that point uh who bit their nails quite a lot and uh had for like I mean I was like 25 or six or something. It had been like oh it had been like 25 years or something. It was it was like lifelong and I could never stop. And I found a front midline theta blob 
And I hunt one day after hours and I trained it down and I pushed a little hard on it. And for the next two days, I felt really physically tired in my legs. Like I'd run a marathon. Whoa. Still can't explain that. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily, now I realize what I was feeling, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily understand what, oh, oh, so tired. And about six weeks later, five, six weeks later, I realized I had to go buy nail clippers because they were getting in the way of my typing. And I realized yeah, I hadn't taken care of them. <laughs> well, I, I, I had stopped biting my nails yeah. and not even noticed that I'd stopped biting my nails. It was so thoroughly like extinguished that it was just now something. That, and I was like, wait a minute, I, I have nails. <laughs> I, oh, okay. So I, I've seen that phenomena, but you know, you can also have like somebody who's has songs or, or videos or other stuff playing in your head, or it can be a thing you turn on when you're super creative and turn it off when you're trying to be focused and a good listener or something. Yeah, wow. So that was my first exposure is seeing under the covers, literally in this case, and going, hmm, there's something there. And I could push myself around and I made dramatic changes in my own executive function. I mean, dramatic. Uh, where I could control my focus uh, for the first time in my life. I mean, I was plenty intelligent, but profoundly ADHD yeah. um, post-college. And that got in the way of thinking about what to do. So that's one of the reasons I spent 10 or 11 years bouncing around in health and human services, because it's a it's it's an allied health level job. It's a job of skill. It's a it's a job where you use the natural resources you have. Plus, as somebody who is a little ADHD, a lot of ADHD at that point, the, the heavily dynamic environment of challenges that were a little intense and always changing played to my strengths. So the amount of information, the amount of need to focus, uh, that's, that's one of the secrets of theta in the brain. High theta states is the classic ADHD, mm -hmm. but theta responds very well to intensity. It, it dampens appropriately in, in the presence of intensity. So under sports or fights or arguments or video games or anything intense, you can suppress that and focus better than average. Wow. But in the absence of external demands, less, much less well than average. So anyways, sure. I changed myself. I saw people changing and I had to go back to grad school to uh, study how it was working essentially. Dr. Hill. Uh, so if any, Especially since you uh, just gave my audience a little discount too. If anyone that's right, that's right. Brain mapping. Uh, what's the best way of getting in contact with you? Website, social media. How do sure, they more about sure. Um, we'll we'll get you a landing page link uh, for the show. Uh, okay. uh, Austin can can our, our marketing guy can build you one, so you can skip that out if you want. But um, we have offices, as I was saying, in in Orange County, California, and L.A. California, as well as St. Louis and New York City. Folks can, of course, go there, or we can do remote programs. And that same discount of 250 off the initial package would still apply. Um, Peak Brain Institute is our main website, uh, dot com. And all of our socials are Peak Brain LA, because that was our first big office. Uh, so check us out, Peak Brain Institute, Peak Brain LA, and uh, tell us what you need. Tell us how your brain's working. Uh, come join our mindfulness groups online or in person if you want. The, the larger offices have in person mindfulness. Uh, yeah. weekly as well and so. uh and also your podcast as well right you're gonna be that's right head that. first with dr hill we have some new episodes rolling out so check that out on the places you listen to podcasts and uh let me know if you have questions on that or can suggest guests i'll take them absolutely um and all my my audience knows i always put all those links after this i'll put it all in the description you know whatever platform it's on so it's just clickable links to make it easy for everyone oh great um but yeah, uh, Dr. L, I just want to thank you so much for jumping on my show and uh, giving our over 40 audience some uh, 
you know, some information and it's a population that's near and dear to my heart. You know, yeah, I, me too I, now. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I turned 52 at about, uh, well, by the time this shows out, I will have just turned 52. So, uh, oh, wow. I, I'm, I'm, I'm past my forties now. So I, I remember when I, you know, yeah. but, but, but fifties is, is over 40, right. I'm still in that yeah. demographic. 50s is new 40. That's why I say, cause mom's that's 42 right and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm 32. So, well, I mean, think about it. You know, our, our grandparents, our great grandparents were a great meal deal more frail. Oh yeah. Right. My mother, she, I hope she doesn't hear this. She'll kill me, but my mother's in her mid seventies. And last year she was in the Antarctic cataloging penguins. Yeah. She, during the pandemic, she barely got back into the country because she had to hike through a, a forest in Vietnam and she got sick with something else and nursed herself back to health with a village, a Thai or Vietnamese village eating like bison jerky until she was strong enough to hike to a, no problem. 75 year old mom just being like, doo, 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 traveling the world. Very different world we live in now because we can, because yeah. we have, you know, one both the clients, health, but the info. One of my yeah. clients just took her mom to Vegas to go zip lining. She turned like 75 or something. I'm like, amazing. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I love hearing stories like this. So. Yeah. I, I, I'm definitely not going to do some of the stuff that my mom has done, you know, like, yeah. and then vice versa. Like I've taken motorcycles across the country a bunch of times. She would never go near one, but she'll like be on a little tiny boat that can barely cross the ocean over ice flows and, you know, think nothing of it. So, uh, being able to have whatever you know resilience and resources we want to do that kind of stuff that's our goal i think and 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 we're getting into that compression of morbidity taking illness and pushing it back it's been the gerontology focus for 50 years is that not eliminating aging but eliminating the illness within living years so you push it all back the last couple of years with a, then have a terminal drop right right at the end but now except for the pandemic and, and the opioid uh, uh, crisis, both of which are shortening life expectancy a little bit, except for that, technological advances are such that if you and I can manage to avoid the big aging and, and disease stuff for 20 or 30 years, sometime in that next 20, 30 years, we'll get another healthy 20 or 30 years as a population, I bet. I think we're, yeah. right, we're right at that edge. Um, and we're already seeing some of that happening now where we're probably healthier and and uh have a better age and trajectory ahead of us than people did a hundred years ago certainly if not you know 20 so yeah anyways there's my thought about the antisenescent yeah. stuff well that's that's my job is to make sure we have bodies that can go that distance and your job is to make sure that there's something in there that's still working. In there. that's right <laughs> that, that you're enjoying it when you get there that's right that's right awesome sir nice nice talking to you today uh, yeah. i really appreciate the time thanks for being on the show yeah definitely take care cheers <laughs>